I'm reading from John chapter 17, verses 6 through 19. I've made your name known to those whom you gave me from the world. They were yours, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything you have given me is from you. For the words that you have gave to me, I have given to them, and they have received them, and know in the truth that I came from you, and that they have believed that you sent me. I'm asking on their behalf, I'm not asking on the behalf of the world, but on the behalf of those whom you gave me, because they are yours. All mine are yours, and all yours are mine, and I have been glorified in them. And now I'm no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I'm coming to you. Holy Father, protect them in your name that you have given me, so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them in your name that you have given me. I guard them, and not one of them was lost except the one destined to be lost, so that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I'm coming to you, and I speak these things in the world, so that they may have my joy made complete in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but I ask you to protect them from the evil one. They do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you have sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself, so that they also may be sanctified in truth. The gospel of the Lord. Praise you, Lord Jesus Christ. God bless you guys, and happy Mother's Day. Uh, now, the thing is, uh, for me, Mother's Day can be difficult for a lot of us that we lost our mothers. Uh, I saw my mother a couple weeks ago, and if you don't know, she's in stage 7 dementia, so she did not recognize me. The last Mother's Day I had with her that she recognized me was 2010. So if your mother is driving you nuts, thank God for that, okay? Because what happens... Uh, People like myself who don't have our mothers around, we would give all our money in the world to just be with her for one more hour to have a conversation. We just have to wait for the dreams during the night to take place. So uh, let me pray, and I, this is funny. Tuesday I decided, you know, dude, last week was deep, and that exhausted me last, so I'm going to stay shallow. That's what I said to myself. I'm going to pull up the oldest mother to the youngest mother to the newest mother, whatever. But the Lord's not a deep, the Lord is not a shallow God. He goes deep. And so, therefore, I just went, dang it. And so, I, do you mind if I just pray for myself that I would have the courage to continue and that, that the Lord convicts us in ways to restore us in order to restore and the restoration, if you've ever been to counseling or been restoration, it ain't easy because it challenges every aspect of who you are. And so just lately, I restored my relationship. Actually, I restored my relationship with my mom and God. I restored my relationship with my dad. And I restored my relationship with my brother. But it's not easy. It's not kumbaya. 
Because restoration is not restitution. We always want restitution, don't we? But when we focus on restitution, reconciliation will never happen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to get in your word. And we just thank you, Lord, for our mothers. We just pray, Lord, that whether our mom was crazy or our mom was great, that we learn lessons from them in every aspect of our lives. We just pray, Lord, that we will live lives in honor of you. We just thank you. Anoint the next 30 minutes, please. Give me the wisdom. Give me the words. In Jesus' name we pray, and everyone said amen. Our interview, we're doing interviews today, and so I asked if Leo Vargas can come forward. Now, Leo and I, we, we did this kind of interview yesterday, and uh, it's interesting because we, we never did a pre-interview, which is when you're talking to Leo, you're going, oh, gee, who knows where this is going to go. And, and then, uh, but so I was discovering stuff in the interview that I didn't know, and also I was discovering, I, I was thinking in my head, when did I meet this knucklehead? And we met in 2001. That is 17 years that we've been friends. Yes, sir. Okay? Yep. 17 years. And so, now this is Mother's Day, and uh, so I want, I want to ask you first, uh, your little kumbaya, little perfect wife, uh, <laughs> I believe her to Beaver if you're over 60, or the Brady Bunch, but you had really a family like married with children, if you think about it, that's, that's from the 90s too. And so tell us about your upbringing. Tell us about your relationship with your mom. And why don't you put a picture of her mom up there? Okay. She was a beautiful woman, yes. Um, my mother left us in, in, in uh, February. Um, and, you know, my mother, uh, she herself lived a life of, uh, and had an upbringing of suffering. And um, typically what happens is that becomes a chain. And um, so us five kids... We endured the same. Uh, we, I was born into a family of, of drugs and um, lost my father to heroin in 2004 and essentially lost my mother to meth. Um, she was using all the way up to... And this is just two months ago. This is just two months ago. Okay. Um, so this is his first Mother's Day without his mom. Okay? Go ahead. And so on. Um, Sorry. Um, I know, fight hard. Um, so, you know, we really, us kids, we really endured much as children. Um, we were, uh, you know, when we don't know how to raise children, uh, especially without punitive consequences, um, uh, punishment, uh, we pay the price. And uh, we, were, we were raised, um, we were born into a family of, of drugs, of, of abuse, of sexual abuse, and mental abuse and physical right. abuse, and, and us kids, we endured that, um, and, and to the point to where... Um, you were homeless. Yes, I was on the streets at the age of 14 okay. um, with my sister, who was 15. Um, and um, so, you know, most of the men in my life, uh, and my mother, and the, and the women came from gangs, and that's who we turned to for support and love when we were um, when I was on the streets at 14, right. and I mean literally on the streets, sleeping under our '67 Chevy Impala and um, okay. and and you know uh, those washrooms, apartment 
washrooms and, and um, right. And so what was interesting too, you were the first to graduate from high school. Yes. In your entire family. And, and I still am to date. And my niece will be the next. Okay. Next month. Great. Stop. <laughs> We didn't do this last night. <laughs> yeah. Don't cry in front of me. I'm so proud of my niece, and she's also accepted. Yeah. She got accepted to every, every one of her universities that she applied right. to. And the thing is, Leo is a uh, college graduate as well, too. And yeah. so he's he's so nice. you got to keep in front of But the thing is, this life that with your mother really affected you in a strong way, that, um, that it's just interesting when a child says, I don't want to be like my mother. I don't want to be addicted to anything. I don't want to go through this. But somehow the addiction got a hold of you. It got a hold of me. I uh, was on autopilot for most of my life on a race to not become the statistical expectation. And um, so I came, you know, ran, got accepted to UC Santa Barbara. Thank God, and um, got an F in my first course. <laughs> Talk about culture shock, going from yeah. the barrio to uh, White Landia. <laughs> I'm gonna be real. I'm gonna be real. Uh, and um, the uh, you know addiction has took has a hold of most of my family members, and meth and methamphetamines in particular. Right. And no one ever thought, including myself, that it would catch me. And, um, and it did, it did. And um, I had, uh, you know, the two years about, I've been on a race of sobriety and a life of a healthiness uh, for the past two years, and I'm very proud of myself. Um, and, um, but when you peel back, you know, you hit it on the head, sir, today, um, Pastor PK, when you said, you know, that work is deep. And we've got to, it's the mirror effect. We've got to take a deep look inside self right. and determine where, what, when, how, why, and peel back those layers and do the good work. And um, I've been doing that with a force. And um, uh, but when, you, when you peel back those layers, uh, I, you know, there's a lot of um, uh, sexual indiscretions as a child with me that I witnessed and uh, was a part of. And um, so my addiction, when you peel back the layers, was essentially a sexual addiction, sexual addiction. addiction to sex. And so that's what launched me into a life of drugs. And um, I went to one of the darkest places I've ever been to and um, almost lost my light. But um, yeah, here's the yeah. thing. When you struggle with addiction and stuff like this, the church needs to be a place to be restored. And Leo is a gay man. And so the church is not embracing people that need to be restored in order to restore. As a pastor, I believe in the word of God. I'm a strong believer. But as we know as Christians, we are known by what? Our love. And so I've seen Leo for 17 years going in and out of my life. The good, the bad, and the ugly. But what's interesting, too, is that even his friends, when he was going crazy, they would call me and say, Leo needs God. Leo needs God. And we tried to intervene. 
but Leo wasn't on rock bottom yet. And so today, if you look at this, you go, because you rejected this church, you walked away from this church for a while, and, and people missed you. Yes, and, and that was one of the, remember the couple of weeks ago when I sang Moving Forward, I meant that from the depths of my soul. And uh, I prefaced that song with the danger of, you know, when we equate an emotion, with, you know, a, a love, an emotion with a certain feeling, love with hurt, then that's what we run to because, and the good love we run away from because it's unrecognizable. It doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel like what I came up with. So in order to love, I needed the hurt. Right. And, um, you know, there's also the adage, hurt people hurt people. And I'm not in the business of hurting people. It's the complete opposite. I'm, I love. And I had to mm -hmm. search deep. And God, even very recently after my mom's passing, you know, this woman... She introduced me to God and all of her hurt and pain, she brought me to God. And in her death, she brought me even deeper. Thank you, Mom, for that. And I go to a secret place every Sunday after church. It's my own place with me and God. And I went there on um, a couple of nights ago, just me in my apartment alone. I blindfolded myself because I wanted to strip myself of as many senses as possible. Even walking around my home with this, it's called a mindfold, which is a blindfold with foam around it so no light can peek in. It's just you. And um, talk about revelation. God revealed to me the love anchors in my life that I just didn't know were there. I mean, from my mom to my grandfather to my grandmother to my agent who stood in the gap as mother to me for 20 years. My agent stood in that gap because she too knew, like you, the trials and tribulations that I was having with my mother and our family. And, you know, it was a very hurt woman. And, um, you know, my battle most of my life has been sexuality and spirituality, trying to um, really reconcile those two things. How can I love God and he love me for everything that he made me? And it takes some years to get to that place of complete acceptance. And I'm glad to say I'm a little closer now. So, so let me tell you as a congregation, this church, as long as I'm the pastor, will be a church of reconciliation with God. I don't focus on lifestyles. And focus on your relationship with God. God can figure this out. The Holy Spirit's job is conviction. If you're broken, as Leo is, he's not there yet. We're all not there yet. I was going to bring a stone 
and say, or look at your hands, none of us have stones. Jesus made it clear. You without sin, you cast it. Jesus puts us in the same category. We all need to be redeemed. We all need to be healed. We all need to be loved as loved. Christ loved us. you mind if I pray for Leo? Let's stand. Father, we thank you, Lord, for Leo coming back. And we just pray, Lord, that you continue to work through his heart and through his mind that he can be restored in order to restore and we just thank you, Lord, for this church that we know that all of us fall short of your glory. And all of us are in a path to oneness with you. We just thank you for Leo's story. We thank you for this time. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. 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 Thank you. You may be seated. You know, I'm telling you, it's not easy being me. You know, I want to begin today where our, it's about complete joy. And we used to sing songs that got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. And everyone goes, where? Because it doesn't show, does it doesn't. They go, where is this joy? I don't see it. You know, a lot of times when we come across Christians, we don't go, oh, yeah, you got the joy, don't you? We all go through suffering. We all go through things in life that we don't like. But it's interesting to me on our, my ego, even infancy through adolescence and even early adulthood, we have a sense of self. Our ego builds ourselves, and so therefore we discover who we want to be. And when we're asked as children, what do you want to be when you grow up? We say this because it's based on what we think will give us happiness or joy or life. I want to be this. I want to be a fireman. I want to be a doctor. I want to be important. You look on the screen, the first half of our life is spent building our sense of identity, importance, and security of what some would call the false self and few might call the ego self. Now, we bash the ego, don't we? When we hear people say he's too big for his britches, it's not like a weight joke. It's about an ego joke, isn't it? Or he is an egomaniac. Or he has a big ego. But it doesn't make necessarily the ego bad. The ego is important to all of us. The ego is a needed necessity. If you look on the screen, the ego is how we consciously view ourselves and our place in this world. But the problem with the ego is that it can only take us so far. It's not only can't put us in touch with our true self, but it often is what hides our true self. Richard Rohr says it this, you discover often through failure or a significant loss that your conscious self is not all of you, but only that the acceptable you. You will find your real purpose and identity at a much deeper level than the positive image you present to this world. And through suffering and difficulties, man, that, that, that deepness comes out. The first half of my life, I pursued happiness. Remember Rachel last week, she even said at 21 years old, she stopped looking for happiness because it was so elusive. Our ego is basically saying, I'm this, but I'm not this. 
What makes me happy, that's who I want to be. That's how I'm going to develop my character. In the early stages of life, we try to figure this out. What can I be? What will make me happy? And so therefore, we chase these particular dreams. If you look on the screen, there's three questions I believe the ego asked us. Am I special enough? Am I secure and rich enough? Am I popular and loved enough? These are three things all of us in our ego desires. I, as a pastor, I want to be loved, right? And I, what is wealthy enough? But the thing is, I've always said this, and I, let me get deeper here, that, that joy is really what I want because happiness is de uh, depending on happenings in life, and happiness says it's elusive and it's there and it goes, but the joy in the Lord is dependent on the inner experience of the oneness that I have with God. But that joy cannot be taken away. So how do I achieve this? Back on the screen. Joy can be found in the second half of life. But the second half of life isn't always based on chronological, butchered <laughs> that word, age. But you can suddenly find yourself in an opportunity to move into the second half of your life when you encounter failure, when you encounter suffering and loss. Nobody wants suffering and loss. But it is a gateway to joy. You get me? And so, therefore, while the first half of life is about building up and fortifying the ego and happiness, the second half of life is about tearing down so that the true self can be discovered. The discovery of the true self is to discover joy. And so, 26 years ago, this facade that I'm hiding that I think everyone likes and everyone's doing this was broken down by a situation, but God went deeper with me and therefore built a whole new way of who I am created by him. See, this is where it's interesting. See, when we look at the gospel that we heard today, Jesus is praying, and I want you to show how deep Jesus' prayers is. This is the depthness of the God that we serve. Jesus in John chapter 17, verse 13, he says this, But now I am coming to you. This is a prayer. I speak these things to the world so that they may have my joy made complete in themselves. What is God's will for you that you may experience joy? You want to, if you're walking around going, what is God's will for me? This is it. That you will experience joy. And so he's praying to his followers here. He's praying to you and I. But this is right before he was going to face his greatest agony. Right before he was going to the cross. That he was thinking of us. That he was praying for us. That we would experience the same joy that he had. That obviously is not dependent on the circumstances. Because I'm telling you right now, if I was Jesus, good night. I wouldn't be feeling joy right before I was going to get killed. And so the, he was thinking about you. He was thinking about me. Follow me on the screen. Jesus experienced a fullness of joy that only comes when a human identity is fully based on the reality of the oneness with God. That is my identity, oneness with God. My identity is not I have disabilities. My identity is not that I'm married to a beautiful wife named Jennifer. My identity is not here as a pastor. My identity is oneness with God, as your identity should be as well. 
And so Jesus experienced fullness of joy. He comes from the human identity is fully based on the reality of the oneness with God. So Jesus prayed that what is true of him would be true of us as well, that we would experience the same union with God and thus experience complete joy. So Jesus' prayer gives us some insight here on what complete joy is. How do I know that I'm living in God's joy? He follows me on John, follow me, follow me on John chapter 17. Holy Father, he says, protect them in your name that you have given me so that they may be one as you are one. His ultimate goal here, Jesus is praying for us, is that we would experience the oneness of God. But Jesus knows in order for us to experience the oneness of God, we will go through suffering. Do you ever wonder why James says, consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you face many trials? Do you get where James is coming from now? That basically you're moving on to joy and you're breaking down the ego. And he talks about perseverance as Rachel talked about perseverance, but Rachel doesn't even know that's scripture. And so it's just interesting how the Lord just moves. And so back on the screen, as long as we believe that we are only who we think we are, who our ego tells us who we are, we cannot experience a oneness because one of the primary jobs of the ego is to set us apart from others, which includes God at times. The only way the false sense of self can be broken down and through the inevitable suffering that comes in life, that is why Jesus also prayed for us not to be taken out of suffering of this world, but to protect us through it. See, this is where you just go, okay, why? Oh, man, so what I'm facing now, what I faced 26 years ago, what I'm going to be facing will bring me in the presence of the oneness of God if I allow it, and my identity becomes with him. And therefore, joy is manifested even in the midst of suffering. That's deep stuff. But you and I are going, ah, why are we going through this? Why me? Am I the only one that's, okay. Especially when you're enjoying your mothers right now. I'm going, why me? But I'm experiencing joy. Even without my mom. Because I know what that girl's going to say to me. She would be proud of me. And so therefore, the oneness with God gives us incredible joy. And so this is it here. Um, this is where I'm asking you to take them out of the world, but I'm asking you to protect them from the evil one. Here's where he protects us. Satan will tempt us, it's on the screen, to cling to control and security... Let me read this in English. Satan will tempt you to cling to control and security when you suffer. This is a be strong, I've got this mentality. Our ego loves for us to feel like we've got this. But suffering can teach us when we are ready to learn that God's got this. The biggest leap into the spiritual life of faith is when you come to an end of your own ego-based resources and accept the life of the loving and dependency of God. Here's the thing. I'm a big avid believer in the 12-step program. It's changed my life. And when you hear people, when you see people going, man, I think they hit rock bottom. Now, if you know the 12 steps, you're not supposed to intervene. You're supposed to let them hit rock bottom, right? 
there's times where I thought Leo was hitting rock bottom. But the bottom kept getting lower and lower. But here's what the bottom, what the bottom looks like, is when the ego can't do it anymore. That's what hits rock bottom. That's if you look at the first two steps of the 12-step program, the first one says this, we admit that we're powerless over whatever addiction and that our lives will become unmanageable. That's when you go, I can't do this anymore. I'm too exhausted physically. I'm too exhausted emotionally. The second step is came to believe that there's a power greater than ourselves that could restore us to insanity. And me, that is Jesus. If you think these two steps are humiliating to the ego, you're absolutely right. And God will allow situations to happen. He doesn't cause them for us to really depend on him. In order for me to be restored, in order to restore, my ego had to be let go. And I had to gravitate towards God in order for my restoration to happen, for my reconciliation to my family, my reconciliation with God. Now, you may be saying, well, I'm not an addict. And if you look at this, I've never drunk alcohol, drank alcohol in my life. I act like I do. <laughs> I've never smoked. And sometimes I look like I do. But you go, what are you talking about? Let me tell you this. We're all addicts, aren't we? Follow me on the screen. We are all addicts to our own ego-based ways of seeing ourselves and the world. In other words, we are all addicted to our ways of thinking, suffering loss, and failure to give us the opportunity to break this addiction to a false sense of self and open us to the opportunity to discover our true self. The truth is that God's true essence is love and that our true essence is love. The truth is that, that we are God's beloved and nothing can separate us from that love and truth. And so this is where Jesus' prayer was this. I'm telling you, Jesus is no shallow person here. Jesus says this, sanctify them in the truth. Your words is truth. As you have sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. And for the sakes, I sanctify myself so that they may be sanctified, sanctified in truth. The word sanctify in the Bible, the definition itself is on the screen. To be set apart for a holy purpose. You're all called to be set apart to a holy purpose. Jesus' prayer for this is that all of us would be set apart. There is really no separation between me and God and you and God. In fact, if you look at some of the deep um, quotes from uh, Christian mythics, or however you pronounce it, and I want to show you on the screen, God is more intimate to me than I am to myself. The next one, between God and the soul there is no distance. My deepest me is God. Now, I'm not saying you are God. I don't want you to mis misjudge that. But what I'm saying is that we are on the screen. I am made in the likeness and the image of God, just like you. And I am designed to be the intimate union with my maker. As I discover the deepest me, I also discover God. And when I discover God, I discover the deepest me because I see God mirrored there. And in the most intimate union, there is, get this, complete joy. Now, this is what I've learned. If I'm going to suffer, I might as well suffer well. Right? 
And here's some advice. Suffering and loss is unavoidable, so don't try to avoid it. When suffering and loss come, don't try to find a quick escape from it. When suffering and loss come, don't try to be strong and let yourself, but let yourself fall into the God's grace. In suffering and loss, don't just pray to a far-off God to fix it, but go inside yourself to find God's comforting presence. In times of suffering and loss, be quiet and listening. Pass your ego to hear what God's Spirit is trying to say. In times of suffering and loss, surround yourself with wise people who would just be with you and not say stupid stuff. Allow suffering and loss and failure to pry your hands loose of your ego attachment or what we call security blanket. This is the pathway to joy.